Thank you for joining me today for the very first ever Supernatural Modern Life podcast. I'm Daniela Estrada and I am your host. Today, I'm going to be exploring God. Let's be honest. I mean, it's supernatural and my background is very diverse in terms of what I've experienced, but the reality of what I'm experiencing now is how amazing God is in my life. So throughout the course of these podcasts, I'm going to be exploring a whole lot of crazy, um, at least crazy from my perspective. But today, I'm going to talk about God. Now, what's funny is I have this desire to tell you my whole background and share with you every single thing that's happened and all of the weird and crazy and dark and strange path that I've been on. But when I was sitting in meditation with God, he said, talk about me, (laughs) which clarified it for sure. Um, Because really, he's the inspiration for this podcast. He's the one that suggested for me to do it. So here I am sharing with you. And it's been a really interesting journey. Because I am not a lifer. (laughs) I haven't grown up a lifelong Christian that's been devoted to God my entire life. I was raised Catholic as a child, and it didn't make sense to me. I didn't, uh, I mean, I felt confined, constrained, shamed, judged. I felt all these negative things. And my parents were divorced, so they weren't even allowed in the church. So why was I supposed to be a part of something that didn't even like my parents? And so I grew up with a very judgmental, godlike figure in my head. I grew up thinking that I had to do everything perfectly or God would hate me. And since I already knew God hated me, well, who cared what I did, really? And then I just didn't really care what God thought at all because I was like, meh, whatever. Is he real? Is he not? He hates me anyway, so who cares? Um, and so... I went down a really interesting path. I mean, I dipped into exploring all religions. I explored New Age. I really became heavily involved in the occult, um, thinking that it was good. I mean, I've been a seeker my whole life. I've been seeking this divine connection, this union. I know it's out there. And I was just seeking. And I I didn't know where to find it. And finally, when I was involved in the occult like and New Age and all that stuff, I felt something inside of me. I felt some sort of a connection. I felt energy for the first time. And this is from a girl who started reading like supernatural books when she was 10. Like I would read those books and I'd be like, that is the real world. Like, where is that world? These people are psychic and they have powers and they can see things and do things. I'm like, I know that's real somewhere. And when I got involved in the occult, um, I was like, wow, it is real. How How did I miss this? How did I not know this? Because I started experiencing visions when I was 16. And I had no one to talk to. I had nowhere to go. I had all this weird (laughs) stuff happening to me. And there was no one I could tell because, I mean, 
I thought that if I went to the church, they'd be like, oh, you have the devil in you and you're evil. And let's just like shame you or I don't know, do something to you to make it all go away. Or, you know, and I, I didn't have anybody else to talk to. I, if I talked to my parents, they would think that I was crazy. Like I was so afraid growing up that I was going to be labeled schizophrenic. Because I experienced things that others didn't. They had no concept. I could feel other people's feelings. I could know what they were thinking. I, I saw the future at times. I would see glimpses. My dreams would come true. Like all this stuff, I sensed negative energy. Like it was palpable and it hurt my body. And there was no one I could talk to about it. And then finally, I met one person who is um, my brother's friend's mom, and she also saw things. And so that was a help, but it wasn't a, it wasn't really a mentorship or a guiding or anything. So, you know, we talked about it once or twice, but it didn't end up being something that guided my life. So what did I do? I started hanging out in the occult bookstore, or rather, I started hanging out at the New Age section in the bookstore studying occult books. Because that was the only place I found people like me who understood what I was experiencing. And, you know, it was funny because my life has gone up and down and all around. I mean, you know, my father gave me a book called Conversations with God. And I read it and it like it made me cry. Like I was like, oh, my God, this is... <clears throat> This is the stuff I used to talk about with my friend when I was 14. And at night in our room, like we would have these deep discussions and it was the exact same thing this guy was talking about. And so I started kind of feeling like, yeah, I'm going to get reconnected to God. And then it just went south. I ended up getting involved in a cold group that talked about being connected to God, but really was connected to everything. Um everything was equal, everything was good, all gods, goddesses, beings, everything. Um, and I thought I was doing good work, but my life went to hell, really. It went just as far down as down can go and then kept going down. Like, it, it was the worst time I've ever had in my life. And so here I am telling you my whole story. <laughs> well, a short version anyway. Isn't that funny? So it went about as dark as as I could imagine, you know, where I ended up bankrupt, no money, like no place to live, um, completely devastated. My entire world rocked. Um, my entire belief in God broken. I was broken, like in every sense of the world. My my belief, my trust, my faith in, in anything and everything in myself was just broken. And it's been a quite a journey coming back. And even at that point, did I turn to God? No. No. Because I was like, God abandoned me. God abandoned me like a long time ago, like maybe when I was two. So why would I go back to God? Why would God want anything for me? Because God doesn't like me. God wants to punish me, right? That's what I thought. Because why else would all of these bad things have happened in my life? There there have been so many things. And here's just the icing on the cake. 
<laughs> you know, um, I didn't really put together that, you know, a cult versus God and there was a difference. Um, so I just was like, oh, I'm being punished because that's the God I knew. And so the last 10 years, yes, it's been 10 years, <laughs> have been a struggle trying to find my way back. And um, it was really funny because two years ago, I was with my my father in Portland <clears throat> and we were going to see my brother and his family. And I was in a car accident. And as we were turning basically into oncoming traffic, I could see the cars heading straight for my window at like 40 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, a sense of peace came over me. And I heard a voice in my head that said, this will heal you. And then all of a sudden, time sped back up, you know, slow motion. And boom, the impact of the car. And I remember that I had no fear. I, I just, I, I knew that voice and I trusted it. And I knew it was true. And so afterwards, people were like, oh, you know, this is an accident. It could have lifelong effects. I'm like, no, it, it won't. Because I heard that voice. That voice is true. I know that voice. And that voice said, I will be healed. And that voice meant like not just of the accident. It meant of everything. I mean, all the physical stuff I've been dealing with for the last 10 years, the emotional stuff, everything. And I didn't quite know how that was going to happen, right? Because <laughs> you don't get like the step-by-step -step plan. But um, I ended up at a meeting of a group of people that I've met online. And I had really silly sillily is that a word um I had been dancing in my bathroom getting ready and I smacked my toes on the the toilet the porcelain toilet and so my toes I thought they might be broken but I still went to the meeting because I was like I think I'm okay um and I met this woman who did body work and you know throughout at some point I was starting to feel nauseous she's like let me work on your toes and see if I can make it better. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, sure. And it actually helped. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I can come to you for other things. Like I've been in this accident. I, you know, can you actually work on that and help me? And she's like, oh, yeah. So I showed up and she started doing body work and she started talking to parts of my body and I started feeling tension or pain. And she's like, what's in there? And, you know, we hadn't really talked a whole lot, but she was like, you know, is it a demon? And I went, what? Uh, you know about those? <laughs> because, I mean, it's not very often you hear people who know about this. And, and I have thought I got rid of them all because supposedly in the occult school that I was in, we supposedly got rid of all the demons. Like we were like so much about being anti-demon. Like I was told going in, it was like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I told I was working for God. So let's just preface that. And we supposedly cleared out all of the stuff. So we were clean, right? And here she is saying like, oh, looks like 
You know, is that what it is? And I went into my internal checking system and I got a yes. And I was like, yeah, it is. And she asked for its name and I swear it gave me a name or the person that it it served. It gave me a name and I got frightened. Like it gave me the creepiest creeper chills I have ever experienced. And I've experienced some really, really scary, weird, dark stuff. And just putting that light on it in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like how? And she was like, well, I think you need some Jesus up in there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool with Jesus. She's like, are you? And I was like, yeah, like we're cool, whatever, like. You know, because I was cool with Jesus. Like, the first time I encountered Jesus was in this occult school during a ritual. And we were told we were going to walk with Jesus. And I was like, I can't. What if, what if he doesn't show up? Like, I can't, like right now, he's a question mark. If I do this and he doesn't show up, then I know for sure that I'm alone and that he hates me. But I did the walk and he showed up. And I fell to the ground crying because I felt his love and his presence. And it was so amazing. And I encountered him in this occult group. (laughs) And the second time I encountered him, I was about to commit suicide on the floor. I felt all of the demons and the weight pressing in on me. And I was last, I was trying everything I knew. And my last ditch effort was to call on Jesus. And he came in shining and bright. And like, it was like, the demons scattered and the light just filled the room. I went from being completely oppressed and like shut into this little tiny, tiny ball. And all of a sudden he came in and the light. And I was no longer wanting to commit suicide. It was amazing. So I was cool with Jesus. I mean, I didn't follow him exclusively. You know, I had my posse, but like he was one of them, right? He would show up in my meditations a lot. So like we were cool. And she's like, well, I think you need to follow Jesus only and only Jesus. And I was like, uh, hmm, now wait a minute. What are you talking about here? <laughs> because I, I had cultivated a relationship with all of these gods and goddesses. You know, I, I called this one or asked this one or this one would show up and give me information and this other one would show up and give me information and like they would give me downloads and insights and creativity and I would do all these things and and it really helped. Like they were my friends, like they were the people that would just give me what I thought was reality and truth and downloads and information and they were my friends, they were my posse and she was like, you gotta, you gotta choose. Jesus, basically Jesus or demons was the choice. And I didn't want either. I wanted, I most definitely did not want demons because I've spent my whole life trying to avoid them, get away from them. Like, I don't, you may think I'm crazy. You may not think that they're real, but I know they're real. There were claw marks in my ceiling for crying out loud. They're real. <laughs> Whether or not they manifest like like they do in the movies, they don't. But I have had encounters and I know that they're real. And that was my number one reason that I joined the occult school was to get away from them, to find a way to stop them. 
And so here I was with this decision, which seems easy. No problem, right? But like to choose Jesus and only Jesus meant I had to give up all the rest of my friends. I had to say, no, 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 we're done. And, you know, for so long, they were the only people that I could talk to. They were the only people I could be real with. They were the only people that really supported me, I felt. Yeah, I had a few people in real life that supported me, but there was this level of support and connection that I got through my meditations that I didn't get anywhere else. And here I was having to choose. And I'm not the type of person who says, yeah, 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 whatever, I'll just make a choice, but I won't really make the choice. Like, I'll just like do whatever I want, but like, I'll just say it right now. Like, when I make a commitment, I make a commitment. And I have to be ready and willing to give myself 100% to that. And so I didn't want to make this choice, but what it came down to was if I said no to Jesus, I was saying yes to demons. And there was no way, no way I was going to say yes. Because by saying no to Jesus, it was like the demons would be like, woohoo, let's Let's have a party. Let's bring in more people to mess with her because she just decided that she didn't want help. And I was not about to have that. So I chose Jesus. And so we were going through, she was leading me through a prayer. And about halfway through, my mouth closed. It just shut like a trap. Boom. I couldn't even open it. I couldn't say the words anymore because of its own volition, my mouth stopped. It shut. And I was like, uh, um, and so I opened my mouth and I was like, I, I, you know, finally I opened my mouth and I told her, I was like, I can't say that she's like, keep going. And so like, finally I opened my mouth and then I couldn't say any words. Like the words would not come out of my throat. Like my throat closed when my mouth opened. And I was like, oh my God, I've never experienced anything like this before. What's going on? And so then finally I, I kept trying and then I could like get out the words but it was like choking them out it was like ah, ah, like it was like choking out the words through this whole section and it was then I was like oh my gosh I had no I thought I had dealt with demons I had never dealt with demons I had never dealt with something that actually took over my body like this and would not let me do what I wanted to do I was I was shocked. Oh my God. It was incredible. And so, yeah, you know, I got past a certain section and it all stopped. It all just poof went away and I could finish the the prayer with ease. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was more real than anything that I had experienced before. And you know, now I had Jesus on my side, I guess. <laughs> but I didn't really know what that meant, right? What does that mean? And so I just started having conversations with him. And, you know, it, it wasn't always easy, like, because half the time the enemy would come in, who I like to call fake Jesus, and he would like to try and pretend that he was Jesus. And so I had to get really good at discerning what does Jesus feel like? What does Jesus sound like? What does Jesus look like? Because I'm going to tell you, 
when fake Jesus comes into my meditation, sometimes if I'm not completely aware, I may think he's Jesus for a little while because he kind of looks like Jesus and he can keep up the charade for like a minute or two. But like after like a couple minutes, he says a word that doesn't fit. His, his, he doesn't have that glow that I associate with Jesus. Like when I'm in the presence of Jesus, it's like there's so much compassion just flowing from his eyes and he glows and I just feel that. And no matter how good of a replication fake Jesus does, it just, it's not the same. So like he always gives himself away if I'm paying attention, you know? So I learned really quickly that I had to always try to discern, is it real Jesus or fake Jesus? And that's because I think of my past and the things that I I had previously experienced, but I had also been trained to discern things in my occult training. So I have a very high-tuned sense of sensation, I guess. I'm not really sure how to explain it. It's like I see, but I don't see with like my eyeballs. I see in my inner self. And I feel not like tactily, like I would touch a table, but it's like my inner self knows what it feels like. So I, I really refined that in my occult training. And so now I feel like I have a, a, an access to God and Jesus, maybe that, you know, other people who didn't have that training don't have. So yeah, it's been quite a journey in discerning what is Jesus and, and what is God. And, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean for life? What does that mean? I mean, I came from such a different place. And I've learned, you know, there were courses at one of the churches that I, I, I've gone to, and it was about the love of God. And there was a whole section on the love of the Father. And it was like, what type of father did you know? Was it the judgmental, you know, punishment kind? Was it the you have to be perfect kind? And I realized that my view of God was of this punishing, judgmental, angry, punitive, perfectionist God, and I had to do everything right for him. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be good enough and he was going to punish me and smite me. And what I've learned is that's not true. (laughs) That's just, it's not true. The God I now know is loving and kind and incredible. He is the most supportive person I mean, he's not a person, right? (laughs) He's the most supportive being in the universe, in existence. He loves me more than I love me. And he trusts me more than I trust me. And he believes in me more than I believe in me. And I know he's here right now. And as I stare out my window, ironically, I'm looking at the blue house. And... Why that's significant is God got me this apartment. So I was pretty new in my walk and I had been living with my parents because like I said, life got really hard. And I was waiting 
to move out. And I kept asking God because, you know, I was trying really hard to be good and do what God said and follow and be obedient. And I was like, God, when am I going to move? When am I going to move? And he was like, just wait, just rest. And I'm like, God, oh my God, I've been here a long time. When am I going to move? And he's like, just rest. I mean, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to be told to rest when you feel your life is at a place where you're like, I need to get moving. I need to make my life better. I need to get something done right now. I, you know, like this drive to better your life and get out of a situation. And God's like, rest. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I rested for a long time. It was over a year. It was like a year and a half, two years, maybe. No. No, it hasn't been a year. So it wasn't quite that long. Okay, I'm, I'm mixing up times here. But I was resting for like, I think, six months. Six months, which probably isn't long in in the scheme of things. But at the time, it was painful. It was so painful. Like my pride was being hurt so bad by having to live with my parents and not be on my own, not be independent, not be who I needed to be. And, and you know, part of my self-esteem came from the fact that I felt that, you know what, when I'm in a situation, I can do anything and get myself out of the situation. I can go out and get that job. I can go out and get that apartment. Like I can do stuff. And if I'm doing stuff, then I feel like at least I'm doing something. And then I can feel good about myself. And here was God telling me, rest. Basically, do nothing. Well, I mean, be with him, you know, get closer to him, build a relationship with him, but do none of the usual stuff that I did. Do nothing. Just rest. Oh, yeah, that was hard. (laughs) And so finally, he, you know, I was begging. I was like, God, please. And he's like, okay, you're going to be moving, you know, December, January. And I was like, yay, woohoo, thank God, like, oh my God, yes, free me. And so I started looking for an apartment. And it was November. I was like, yeah, I'm going to start early because like, I don't know when it's going to come. And even though God told me it was like December, January, like, I'm going to start looking now because I really need to make sure that I find the right place. So I started looking and um, I was looking in an area which, you know, and I live in LA. And so in LA, housing prices are extremely high. And I was looking for, you know, to pay 1800 which in some places would get you a house. Here, it you're lucky, lucky if it gets you a two-bedroom apartment. Usually it's like one-bedroom apartment. I was like, and I had a roommate, obviously. But um, I was like, okay, okay, this is what I can afford. So let's do this. And I had a sense, like, I'm going to find a two-bedroom apartment, and I don't know where, but I I know I'm going to do it for my price, right? So I started looking and looking and looking, and there were almost no apartments in the area that I was looking, which was a fairly, it wasn't the most expensive area, you know, it was an average price area, and there were no apartments in that range. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to expand. So I started looking at apartments that were even more costly. And they were just, ugh, they just did not look good at all. I'm, I wouldn't say they were dumps, but they were just shoeboxes, small, dingy, dark, you know, it just, oh, they were just not pleasant. And I was like, oh my God, like, is this really what's out here? So I started getting discouraged. 
And this was November. And I was going looking at apartments, looking at apartments, looking at apartments. And I was just like, oh my God, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. So I was like, okay, I need to increase my price. So I went all the way up to what I couldn't afford. And I started looking and I was like, oh my God, there still is nothing good. And so I was like crying to God. I was like, God, please tell me. And so I heard from him the first week of December. And I was like, yes, even more clarity. Woohoo! So December 1st. Uh, you know, something pops up and it's for like 2300 2400 And I'm like, oh, look, wouldn't it be cool if it was the first day and da 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 and it was the perfect apartment. So I go to see it and I walk in and the first thing that struck me was this feels like The Shining. <laughs> the thought was so quick that I just like swiped it aside and I was like, no, 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 I'm going to look and it was huge and it was open but like, I kind of got a creepy feeling like walking down these long, dark halls and it was a big building, which I didn't like. And I had kind of had the sense that I was going to be living south and this was not south. And I was like, OK, well, um, I started getting fearful and I was like, well, um, and, and the owner was or the manager was like, you know, I have other people coming to see it. So if you really want it, you should put down a deposit. You know, we'll get you approved, all this sort of stuff. And I was like, I don't know. And like I called my roommate. She was like, well, if you like it, let's go for it. And I was like, well, like that wasn't what I wanted her to tell me, really. <laughs> but I was like, OK, well, I don't know if there's anything better. That was my thought process. And so I signed a a, a check over to him and I filled out an application and uh as I was driving away I was like what did I just do I was like yeah 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 I can make myself be okay there I I can and then as I was driving away I was like you know that place just didn't feel very good and I was like maybe as a new Christian I can clean up the place you know maybe that's why I'm supposed to be there and I talked to my friend she's like no that that's not your job now <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny because you know when I was in the occult school we would go out and we'd be like we're gonna clean up the neighborhood and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and we're gonna battle those dark forces and here I was transferring that to Christianity because I'd heard Christians talk about that I'm gonna take control of the neighborhood and pray and clear up the neighborhood and it worked so I was like oh well I guess maybe I can do that and my friend was like yeah no not where you're at <laughs> I was like thanks for the honesty but then I got the call that I got the apartment and I was like, oh, I wasn't excited. And I went home and my mom was like, well, shouldn't you be excited? And I was like, I guess. She's like, when you got your other apartments before this, weren't you excited? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, think about that. And I was like, oh, my God, if I'm canceling this, I have to tell my roommate. I have to tell this guy. I just put the deposit. I can't ask for like, well, I didn't put the deposit, but I paid for the credit check. I can't get that money back. But I have to look like a fool in backing out. And so I did. And my friend was like, yeah, like, this is a lesson to follow God. Because honestly, I wasn't listening to God. I was listening to fear. I was listening to the fear that I wasn't going to get anything better. And so that was my consequence because all of our actions have consequences, right? I had to look the fool and I was out 50 bucks, which in the scheme of things isn't huge. But at that moment, I was just like, oh, man, geez. So then I kept looking, but I went to church and I was like, God, I prayed. I was like crying. I was like, God, show me something. 
please, God, show me something. Show me who you are. Show me where my life is. Show me the apartment I'm going to get. Show me anything so that I can know that you're here, that, that you're, you're, you're helping me, that you're working with me on this. And as I was standing there, I got this flash of a blue house. And I was like, huh? I'm not looking for a house. Okay. A blue house. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. And it was a very clear image. It was like a little cottagey type blue house with like one window kind of like it looked small. And I was like, and it had like white, you know, pipe like piping on it, white accents. And it was like this pale color. And I was like, okay, it was weird. I was like, okay, but I'm going to go with it, right? I'm going to go with it. And so a couple days later, I was looking on Craigslist and I was just kind of looking and I saw this, a picture of this apartment and I was like, oh, that looks nice. And look, it's in my price range and it's two bedrooms. And okay, like I, and I looked at it. My first thought was I could live there, (laughs) which I hadn't said to any of the other images that I'd seen. So I called the person and I was going to come down and the only day they were seeing people was on a Sunday afternoon. So I had to, you know, leave church to come. And then I was looking back at the pictures and I, I was looking closely at the kitchen photo and I could see through the window the shadow of a house. And I went, wait a minute, that house looks familiar. So I went on to Google Earth and I went to the, the address of the apartment and I looked directly across the street and directly across the street was the exact blue house that I saw in my vision. And I'm looking at it right now, like right outside my window is the same exact blue house. And I was, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my gosh. It was crazy. So I show up thinking, yeah, I'm going to, and the thing about the apartment too is when he showed me the vision, he's like, you're going to get this apartment. It's not going to be as big as you want. So just know that, right? So I come to this apartment and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Like, you know, I'm going to get this apartment. I'm going to get this apartment today. Like I come in and I look and of course the apartment was smaller than what I wanted. But I already knew that because like God had told me. So I was like, okay, okay. Like, but if I had, if he hadn't have told me, I would have showed up and been like, eh, like this is small. But I was like, I got this. I can work with this. God like showed it to me. So I'm going to fill out my application and I'm going to get this. Boom. And then like several other people started showing up, filling out applications. And like my, the landlord didn't want to rent to me unless my roommate was present and my roommate was in Ojai. And I was like, oh my God. And like, you know, I had issues with credit because, you know, all the stuff I had been through and all these other people are coming and filling out applications. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I, how is this, God, how are you going to get this for me? And so I was like, okay, well, you promised it to me, but like, how am I going to get this? Because like, literally the check mark, there were check marks against me. Like, I shouldn't have gotten this apartment for so many reasons. But anyhow, so I was like, okay, well, I filled out the applications and I was like, you know, we could do a Skype meeting. And she's like, no, it's too busy. Like, you know, we can't do a Skype meeting. And I was like, okay, with my roommate and the landlord. And so I leave and I'm like, oh my God, this is the apartment. This is the apartment. God, how are you going to get it to me? And my friends at church were like, just hold on to it. Just declare it. God has said he's giving it to you. He's going to give it to you. So then later on that week, I see they repost the apartment. And I'm like, oh. So I call them. I'm like, hey, should my roommate come down to meet you this weekend? 
Like, would it, is there even a possibility? Like, would it even be worth it? Because if I was already a no, I I didn't want to make my roommate come down. And they were like, yeah, she should come down. So I had my roommate drive down to meet the landlord that weekend. And I was praying. I was like, God, come on. Like, if this is it, just make it happen. If this is it, make it happen. If this is not it, just whatever your will is. So my roommate came down and, and met with the landlord and, uh, you know, she told me afterwards that she showed up and they had like an hour talking together where no one else was there. And as soon as my roommate left, person after person after person after person kept coming in and filling out applications. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, so are we going to get the apartment? And like another week passed and I was like, oh my God, God, like what is going on here? And he's like, I'm going to get that apartment for you. Watch me. And I was like, whoa, like, okay, kind of (laughs) hot, like very alpha. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to watch you. Just do it then. And so then several days later, I just got a phone call out of the blue and the landlord called me and said, okay, you got the apartment. And I was like, oh my God. And she says, yeah, we've had like 20, 30 applications and people are still trying to apply but they liked us. And I was like, oh my God, praise God. I don't know how else I would have gotten this apartment without God. There's no way. There's no way. (laughs) So thank you, God. And now I live in a beautiful apartment and I get to look at this promise outside my window every day. So literally, it's my mantra. Whenever I get stuck and I think God's not going to provide for me, I look out my window and I'm like, blue house, blue house. You know, that's, you know, That's what I say, blue house. And that's what my friends say to me whenever I get nervous about things. They're like, blue house. And I'm like, oh yeah, blue house. So it's always great to have your testimonies to remember what God has done for you. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're like, well, God did that. But can he do this? And literally, I was nervous sitting here today to do this podcast. And then I opened the the blinds and it's like, blue house. How can I be nervous? God is the one who suggested that I do this. And so, you know, here I am and it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Blue house, right? So that's my life. That's a little bit of my life. So it's really interesting. I want to share with you a dream I had last night. Like I asked God for information about what to share and ooh, I'm getting a little wiggly here. Um, you know, what am I supposed to share about? And he's like, share about me. And I'm like, okay. But what was interesting is in my dream last night, I was working for, well, I wasn't working for, I was working for a company and they were working with the old headmaster of the occult school, who I'll call Bob just for easy reference. So Bob wanted information from me. And I had the information. I had the stuff and he wanted me to give it to him and be obedient to him and do what he said and give everything to him. And I was something inside me was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to give that. And so I hid it and I ran away. And then I was still working and there were a couple other people that went away too and I didn't know where they went. And, um, time passed and they snuck back in and they were like tortured and 
they were so messed up and they're like, don't give him the information. And one other girl was like, he's even withholding my paycheck. And I realized, hey, he's withholding my paycheck too. And I was like, oh man, now I can't, I really don't want to give him the information. But he had showed up and now he was seeking me because he was like, I want you to submit to me. I want the, the information. And he was sending people after me. And I was like, oh my God. And then this guy showed up and he was like this attractive blonde guy. And he's like, I'm going to go find Bob and stand up to him. You want to come with me? And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, you can't stand up to Bob. You can't. He's too strong. And he reached out his hand. He's like, come with me. He's like, we can do it. He's like, and I was like, no, no, no. You can't put up any shields that are too strong. He'll break through all your shields like with a finger prick. Like he he can get through anything because he's so powerful and strong. And the man looked at me and reached out his hand. He's like, come with me. And I took his hand and I was like, I don't know. And then I started to wake up and I realized, wait, that's Jesus. And Jesus is asking me to go confront this, confront Bob. And I, here I am dithering in my mind about whether or not I'm strong enough. And Jesus is strong enough. He absolutely is. And so I was reflecting, because you know, in our dreams, it reveals our unconscious, right? It reveals what we really think. And so even though I've spent over a year, you know, in forgiveness and um, repentance for what I had been involved in, which is just changing my mind about what I hadn't been involved in and asking for forgiveness, um, I thought I had cleared it up, but it was very clear in my dream that I had not, that I still felt afraid. And Jesus was reaching out his hand and he's like, let's go do this. And so I was like, okay. I was sort of awake by that time, though, so it wasn't the same as making the decision in my dream, but I was like, yeah. And then I heard him, started meditating after that, just sitting quietly and with Jesus. And he was like, I heard the phrase, you have no power over me. Like I was supposed to say that. And I was like, oh, huh. And I tried saying it, but I was like, yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't do anything. I was like, I still see him, the Bob being very strong, and I can say that. It doesn't mean anything. And then it made me think of the movie The Labyrinth. I don't know if you've seen that. But that was one of my favorite movies growing up. And one of the last things she says, the girl says to David Bowie, is, you have no power over me. And that breaks the whole spell. So short recap of the movie is this girl is babysitting her brother, and she's like, I wish the goblins would come and take him away right now. Um, from a story that she's reading and she says that and then like the goblin king does come take away her brother and she has to go down into this labyrinth to try and find her brother and I was like oh my god <laughs> this and, and like throughout the, the movie like he sends these bubbles that get her trapped in this other world so she doesn't even know reality she knows a different reality like I was like oh my god like labyrinth who knew it was so deep because literally it's like he's he's obviously the goblin king but he's like the enemy who comes in when you give him an opportunity he comes in to take and the and he really has no power over you so you really have to get to the point where you're like you have no power over me and that breaks the spell and i was sitting there like what oh my god like my mind was buzzing i was like oh my god and so 
But what it showed me is that everything that I had agreed to knowingly and unknowingly, by me saying, you have no power over me, it would break the spell if I really believed it. There was something about doing this podcast. Because when I was involved in that occult school, I didn't want to share it with anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to tell anybody I was doing it. I, it was a secret. It was hidden. And there's something about me doing this. This is why God, one of the reasons God is asking me to do this is because I am declaring who I'm standing with. I'm broadcasting it. And by doing that, it, it, not only am I being obedient to God, I'm, I'm declaring that I stand with Jesus. I stand with God. Like that is, you know, if there's a line, I've chosen it. And so at that point, I, I envisioned the people in the occult school and after seeing, you know, seeing the, the, image of the labyrinth movie playing out in my mind where it like shatters the spell I basically stood on top of every single agreement initiation everything that I had done in that occult school I stood on top of it and it was brittle now it was brittle and I looked them in the face with and Jesus was there with me and I said you have no power over me and just like in the movie like the foundation beneath me cracked. Like all of those agreements and initiations, they cracked. Like hard sugar cracked, like easy, like a snap of a cracker. And the the people, Headmaster Bob and the other people, they all shrunk, sniveling like little weasels or mice or something. They were just like, Eah! and they like, they were big and they shrunk. As I said, you have no power over me. They shrunk until they were just like little teeny tiny and, and had no power and were weak and sniveling. It's like somewhere in the Bible, it says like, you know, if you look at the enemy, you'd be surprised by what he looks at because he's like nothing. I'm saying that really poorly. I don't know the exact phrase off the top of my head, but it's something like you'd be surprised because he really isn't what we think he is. Like he's not like the big, huge thing. He's like this little like you'd be surprised at how he really looks. And that's what it reminded me of in that moment as they like all shrunk down. And I picked up all of those things and I broke them again. Like every contract and every agreement that I knew that I made and that I didn't know what I made. Because let me tell you, they snuck some in. They snuck some in that I did not agree to consciously. And that's what the enemy does is that you give them an inch and they take a mile and they go as far as they can go. And so I was like, I... And with Jesus, and it supersedes everything and anything that I may have agreed to with you. And so we're done because you have no power over me. And it was the most empowering thing. Oh my God. I feel great. I mean, this just happened like now. (laughs) And that's been hanging over me for so long. And it isn't anymore because God showed me. He showed me what I needed to do. And I don't know if he shows you. I don't know how he speaks to you. I don't know how he connects to you, whether it's a feeling, whether it's, you know, words in your head or images in your head or, you know, whether it's through signs, maybe you'll see a license plate out in the world, but God is speaking to you. 
God is, is, is showing up. Sometimes he speaks through other people. He'll, he'll, you know, influence a friend to say just that right thing that gets right to the heart of the issue that, that just hits you in a way that you're like, oh my God. But I, I encourage you at this moment to really connect to how is God speaking to you? And maybe you already know that. Maybe you're, you're like on it. Maybe you're like me and you're like, oh my God, you know, I've had these experiences for years and I didn't really know what to make of them. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you thought there was something wrong with it. Or maybe you don't really believe in God. <laughs> and I'm surprised you've listened to this whole thing, but maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you, like me, thought that God is or think that God's punishing, that he's mean, he doesn't care about you. Or maybe you think he doesn't exist, but you hope. I mean, I, I have to believe that if you've gotten this far, there's something inside of you that hopes that God is real, that hopes that God is for you, that hopes that your experiences actually mean something. And if you've had visions like me or if you've had weird experiences like me, you know, maybe you're hoping that there's something to it all. And I have to tell you that from my experience, I mean, I've only been walking with God like not even a year and a half walking with Jesus. And my life has changed completely. You know, the situation hasn't really changed that much. But I've forgiven myself. I've forgiven others. Like just yesterday, I had this huge forgiveness. I thought I had already forgiven it like so many times. And I realized that I was still punishing myself. Like I was still placing a burden of guilt and, and anger and on myself and I couldn't forgive myself and I asked God in and I was crying I was like please like I thought I had forgiven myself for this and you know I was able to lift that giant burden off of my younger self who made the bad decision and actually forgive them <laughs> and that was huge that was huge. Like I felt a sense of relief because I've been carrying around this guilt and this shame for 10 years. And I already had the realization of it like five months ago. <laughs> and I had already come to like a good place with it five months ago. I had healed it. God had come in and helped me and I'd cleared it away. But apparently there was a piece that I was still punishing myself. So how often do we punish ourselves for things that we did? Because we haven't let God come in. Because God told me. He's like, let me carry that for you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have to punish myself for it. I can't punish you for it. He's like, but I've already taken the punishment for it. He's like, I've already, I already took it on the cross. He's like, so I bore the weight of that sin. And you want to bear it again? So you want to take it? You want to have it suffer, suffering for it twice? And I was like, oh, well, no, but I don't want you to take it for me. He's like, but I already paid for it. It's already paid for. So now you're just paying double. And I was like, but I don't want to give it to you. He's like, but I've like I, he sometimes I'm dense. And he's like, but I already paid for it. Just let me take it. And I finally was like, OK, because that's the heart of Jesus and the heart of God is that he takes when we're willing to give it up because he can't take it from us. 
But when we're willing to give it to him and humble ourselves in saying that we can't do it alone and that we need help and that there is somebody who loves us so much that they would take our guilt, our shame, our suffering and that they already took it before they even met us. He already paid for it. We just have to accept that payment. It's like, you know, we just have to accept that someone loves us enough to take that for us. And so I let him. (laughs) It's hard for me to believe sometimes that somebody loves me that much. It's hard to believe all the time, to be honest. (laughs) Because when I feel his love... It's so overwhelming and incredible and it feels so good and it, and it, it, it fills in all those spaces that I experienced growing up where I didn't feel somebody loved me, where I didn't feel that I was seen, that I didn't feel people appreciated me for me or for who I was, not for what I could do for them, who didn't appreciate my gifts and talents and skills because they didn't see how it applied to the real world. And Jesus and God have told me, they do, they love me, they see me, they appreciate me, they value me, they made me this way. They made you the way that you are. They put all of those gifts and talents in you. So if there's any place that you have unforgiveness towards yourself or towards others, you know, any place that you're holding on to any shame or guilt or fear or doubt, you know, I invite you to ask God or ask Jesus to come in and show you how he feels about you and to ask him to take that burden and give it to him because he'll take it. He wants to. Like, that's the craziest thing is he wants to take it. (laughs) It's not just like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, all right, just give it to me. Like, I'll deal with it. He's like, no, please give it to me. Like, I want to take this away from you. I want to lighten your burden. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So and he loves you so much. He loves you so much. And I know maybe that sounds like, oh, yeah, of course he loves me. But like I'm feeling it right now, like this love that is just standing over me that he just wants to share with you that wherever you are in your life, whatever you're experiencing, he is there with you. His hand is outstretched towards you and he wants to know you. He wants to know you better. He wants to be there with you through everything, through the ups, through the downs, through the crises, crises, through the joy like he wants to hold your hand that's been my biggest challenge is <laughs> letting him hold my hand during the crises because that's when I want to run away the most that's when I want to be like no 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 only see my good side let me deal with this and I'll come back to you and he's like no I I, I want that I want you when you're at your brokenness your most broken I want you when you're at your lowest point that's when I want to be with you Like, who wants to be with you when you're at your worst 
when you're your worst self, like <laughs> most people run, Jesus is like, I'm there. Let me be there. So wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, like I can feel him so palpably right now. He's standing right behind me. And he's just like, I'm there for you. I'm there with you. And I will never leave you. Yeah. How beautiful. How how wonderful. So on that note, thank you for joining me today. If you would like to get notified of new podcasts that are posted, go to my website, supernaturalmodernlife.com. Fill out your information and I'll send you an email notification when the next podcast is out. And if you would like to email me, my email is info at supernaturalmodernlife. So thank you for joining me today and see you next time. Mm -hmm.